That was awesome. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. You've very, been very inspiring. And uh, this week for me has been my first day camp week, my first vacation Bible study, uh, vacation day camp. Thank you very much. And uh, I've been kind of roaming around this week and watching everything going on, and there's it's so many phenomenal things happening. One of my favorite places to be all week long was right up there in the balcony as I'd, I'd look down at the kids that were gathered together here, and uh, they would all be watching the leader who was up front, and I, I got such out of kick out of the energy that was just being released. This... They were paying attention, mostly. But there was just this like energy and, and you could like feel it as you're standing up there in this, this heat and all of that going on. It was just an awesome experience. And it really tied together for me as I prepared my message for the week, which is on spiritual parenting. We're looking at Acts 11. We're in the book of Acts and we're looking at Acts 11 and we're looking very specifically at the life of Barnabas as he impacts uh, the Antioch church and as he impacts the, the new church in general. And we've been talking about a subject called spiritual parenting. And uh, we, we, you keep hearing that more and more often. Disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. Maybe we call it 3D. If, you, if you're new here to Chapel Hill or relatively new, we've entered into a new discipleship process where um, we, have, we have membership and then we have a class called Next Step. And you can take the Next Step class and it will help you understand sort of where you are in your spiritual journey. And the things that you can do to continue to mature in your faith in Christ. And then there's a class that we offer, an all-day class called Multiply after that. And that's for people that are sort of in this spiritual parenting stage of their spiritual walk with God. And it taught, we talk a little bit about in that, we talk about developing others in ministry. We talk about reproducing and multiplying ourselves in ministry. So it was so fantastic because I got to see and watch day camp this week, uh, what was going on? Because, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you the story, and they, they, some of them have, have left already, but my, the, the job that I was most curious about was the assistant crew leader. The assistant crew leader, some of you that help with day camp, know that that was kind of the junior high age person, maybe a 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth grader even, who was in charge of helping to teach and model and parent and work with that first, second, third grader, maybe five or six of them. And they were, you know, I heard stories during the week and they had to really put out, the, the, the crew leaders would give, give some authority to the assistant crew leaders who would then teach and model. And they were tired by the end of the day, I can't imagine why. They were tired as they worked with the kids. And some of them, if you could believe this, they were even a little frustrated that the first, second, and third graders weren't listening all the time to them. I mean, can you imagine that? Praise the Lord, junior high, aren't you glad they got a little bit of their own medicine? So, you know what? We actually, this week was kind of an incubator of spiritual parenting going on And one of the things I realized was spiritual parenting, it's not necessarily related to age, it's related to the heart. It's related to the heart because you can have some very young, tender people who don't necessarily even know a huge amount of things about God, but they have zeal in their heart for God. 
And the person that we want to look at this morning, Barnabas, is a spiritual parent. And there's some things that we can look at in his life that help us learn more about that. So let's look at that this morning. We're in Acts 11, verses 13 through 30. I'd like to tell you the story um, about Barnabas and the church at Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, they traveled to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. But some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, spoke to the Greeks also, telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was upon them, and many of them believed, and great numbers of people turned to the Lord Jesus. News of this reached the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and he saw evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord. Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and faith and great numbers of people came to the Lord. After this, Barnabas went to Tarsus and he looked for Saul. And when he found him, he took Saul to Antioch. And then for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with and taught the believers who were in Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. During this time, there were prophets that came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would affect the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to give a gift to the brothers who were living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift by way of Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this person, Barnabas. We don't know a lot about him. We know more about him than others, Lord, but he modeled for us Spiritual parenting, a a type of enthusiasm, Lord, that greatly impacted the first century church. We ask you now, Lord, that as we look at the life of Barnabas, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Antioch was a thriving, pulsating city. It was a city of about 300,000 people. It was the third largest city in all of the Roman Empire, only behind Rome and Alexandria. It says in Luke's account that uh, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and they began to speak to the Greeks, not the Jews, but to the Greeks. And the amazing part of this story is that the first true missionary thrust to the Gentiles were done by people that we don't even have record of their names in the Bible. All we know is where they're from. They're from men from Cyprus and Cyrene. And this reminded me again that God accomplishes his great works throughout the world through ordinary men and women. Men and women who have an encounter with Jesus Christ, who are in relationship with them, and spread that good news to another person who then knows, meets Christ, and then spreads that news to another person. That's so important. Well, news of this revival reached the church at uh, Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas down to Antioch. Mark's talked a little bit about Barnabas in some of the past weeks. We know from Bar- about Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. We know that his real name was Joseph, and he was a Levite. He was a priest from Cyprus. 
And his nickname was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And in just a few verses, or actually just a few words, we are told really the character of Barnabas. It says that Barnabas had some land, and he sold that land, and he put the proceeds at the feet of the disciples. Well, you know, it's really no surprise to me that the apostles sent Barnabas to this new work in Antioch. Because Barnabas was generous and he was encouraging. And there's no more person that you want to send to a brand new work of God than a person who's generous and encouraging. In fact, the church needs an army of Barnabases. People who are energetic in their faith. People who are encouraging. People who are generous. We need that kind of person. As I begin to think about Barnabas this week and about this whole issue of spiritual parenting, I realize that there are a number of qualities in Barnabas that we need to know as spiritual parents. So let's look at that this morning. That's what I want to talk about. Spiritual parents, first of all, model enthusiasm for Christ's mission. Barnabas was willing to be a missionary. And he was willing to be a missionary in the broadest sense of the term. He was willing to be sent out if the church felt there were people that needed to go to spread the mission or he is willing to stay in one place for a concerted period of time and do ministry. He did that in Antioch. Either way, Barnabas modeled a love for Christ and a zeal, a mission, a missional zeal. We see it all over Acts. We see it in several different chapters. Chapter 4, chapter 9, chapter uh, chapter 11, chapter 13. Barnabas first is sent by the church in Jerusalem He is um, sent to Antioch, and then he's there for a year. He trains up believers. Then he's sent by the church at Antioch to go back to Jerusalem to give a gift because of a severe famine. Then Barnabas goes back to Antioch, where he and Saul continue to teach. And in Acts 13, we'll find out this in just a couple weeks, he's called and set apart by the Holy Spirit to start Saul, Paul's first missionary journey. And Barnabas accompanies him on that. Barnabas had a great enthusiasm for Christ's mission. And the truth is that a person uh, can have a a great missional zeal, whatever their age is. And that's what the tie-in here today, this week, on day camp. What I got so much out of this week, watching day camp go on, is that the youngest people were actually practicing, maybe at an elementary stage, a a level one stage, but they were were beginning to practice spiritual uh, parenting. And so I came to realize this week that spiritual parenting isn't just about, you know, how old we are or how much we know about God, but it's primarily an issue of an attitude of the heart. Spiritual parents have zeal for Christ's mission. Now, you may wonder, you may be sitting there thinking, well, how do they get this kind of zeal? How did Barnabas have this, this incredible zeal? And I'll tell you how. There's a phrase used over and over and over and over again in the book of Acts. And it says this. Barnabas was filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. Now sometimes that phrase is used filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe in something else. Or just filled with the Holy Spirit. But whenever you see that phrase filled with the Holy Spirit used in the book of Acts... Phenomenal things happen. 
So we realize that it's not just about our incredible abilities. No, it's not about that. It's about God and his ability to to use a vessel who's willing to be filled with his spirit on his mission. And that is so exciting. And so what does Barnabas do? Barnabas is an encourager. When he sees evidence of the grace of God, what does he say to them? He says, remain true to the Lord with all your heart. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to remain true to the Lord with all your heart? Well, there's several, several things it means. There's a lot that it means. One thing that it means is you come to church regularly. You come, you watch your kids. You come to worship. You come to worship the Lord. And you do it regularly. You do it each week. It's, it's part of the rhythm of your life. That's part of what it means to remain true to the Lord. Another part is that you, you open God's word every day. You look at it. You read it. You study it. You soak in it. You hang around other believers who are doing that too. You have a life of prayer. Prayer isn't a long-distance phone call. Prayer is a, a local call for you with God. You have an ongoing dialogue with the Lord each day. You know, these kind of behaviors, these spiritual disciplines, are part of what Barnabas is talking about when he says, remain true to the Lord with all your heart. That's so important for us. So I suspect that for some here today, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, Remain true to the Lord with all your heart. And that is hard to do. That is hard to do in our day and age when we have so many things that distract us. We could have roving eyes. We could make idols of things. We can give up on church because somebody offended us. We could give, it, give up on God because God seems so absent, so distant from us. We could say to ourselves, well, I've done all this church stuff for years and years. Let, let somebody else worry about it. You know, there are so many things that distract us from remaining true to the Lord with all of our hearts. So maybe maybe some of you this morning, in your spirit, you know, it's a blessing for me to be led in worship by the youth because it it re-inspires me in my devotion to God. I loved watching them doing the, you know, needed that. They were being spiritual parents to me. So that's what spiritual parenting is. It models Christ-like zeal for his mission. A second uh, quality that we see in spiritual parents is it demonstrates faith in God's ability to change people. We sang about that this morning. God, give me faith to see the things that, that I could not normally see in the natural. Barnabas did this in Acts chapter 9. He showed incredible courage. When no one else would believe that Saul was really a convert to Christianity, Barnabas was the one who took him to the apostles. Let me read about it. When he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You know, because of Barnabas, Saul, who became Paul, was able to continue to grow in his relationship with the Lord. If Barnabas hadn't been there, I don't know what would have happened with Saul. They may have been so afraid of him, they may have just continued to push him aside. Who knows? Spiritual parents are people who can spot 
a diamond in the rough. You know what I'm talking about. We all know people. Maybe they're our children. Maybe they're our brothers or sisters. Maybe there are people that we work with. And they may say they're a Christian, but maybe their walk doesn't quite match their talk. Or maybe they're not a Christian at all, and you just like want nothing in the world to do with them. You're, you're in fact, fed up with them. Spiritual parents are the people that can look and see inside a human life and see what God sees. They can see the potential. They can see that, yes, while it's not, not all that God wants in their life, they can be better. You can imagine the person looking differently and acting differently. And then you pray differently for them. You know, I see this kind of ministry all the time in, a, in something I'm involved in called Celebrate Recovery. People will come in and they'll really be down. Their, their life will be in shambles. Um, they really can often look like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and be very discouraged. And yet I've also seen how in the process of 6 to 12 months with people who stick with the program, they will be transformed people. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible? I mean, I, it, it's possible through God and through the Holy Spirit, but I don't even need to know their story to see that God is changing them. How do I know? I see it in their faces. I see it in their faces. They come and they were once downcast. They were once burdened. And you see it in the face. The eyes don't lie, right? The eyes are the gateway to the soul. And then they work through the process of healing, of a transformation, of repentance, of making amends with others and being forgiven. They go through this process. And all of a sudden, they're lighter. There's a smile on their face. There's a gladness. There's evidence of the grace of God in their life. And you can see transformation. Spiritual parents are people who can look into the life of somebody else and see someone who's not, maybe not in the surface what they could be. And they take the time to come alongside them and love them in Christ. So spiritual parents model enthusiasm for Christ's mission. They demonstrate faith in God's ability to change people. And lastly, Uh, Spiritual parents reproduce themselves. And this is the area where we are greatly, the most greatly challenged as the church, and the church with a large C. Let's look at the life of Barnabas again. Barnabas, when he saw the evidence of the grace of God going on at Antioch, and people are becoming Christians, and it's growing, and Barnabas is realizing, man, there is so much happening here. I cannot I cannot lead this, I cannot train this and, and do this on my own. I have to find some other people who can help me to disciple the people here in Antioch. And so Barnabas goes to great lengths. He doesn't just go across the street and find Saul. He goes 86 miles, walks 86 miles to find Saul. And by the way, he just doesn't you know, call him on the cell phone. Hey, Saul, wait, where, where are you in Tarsus? He has to find him in Tarsus. So he, he walks to Tarsus. He has to find him in Tarsus. And then it says he took him to Antioch. He had, you know, he had to say, hey, Saul, I need you in Antioch. Come with me. And Saul did. But it was a 172-mile round trip. Incredible intentionality. Amazing commitment on the part of Barnabas to look for one person who could make a, a, an incredible difference at the church at Antioch. 
So that's what I'm talking about, about reproducing ourselves. Somebody came, came up to me after the first service and they said, is this like a one-on-one ministry? Is this like, like, you know, I'm used to talking to a lot of people here. This is like really focusing and pouring into one person. Yes! It's about pouring into the life of one person or two people. Or if you feel, you know, real adventuresome, three people. And pouring your life into them, breathing into them, walking with them, coming alongside with them, basically doing the Christian life together. So that at some point, they're confident enough, they're healthy enough, they're mature enough to go and do it with somebody else. We can all do that. Every single person in this room can be a spiritual parent. It's not an issue of age. It's not an issue of how much I know. It's an issue of the heart. How do we know this is happening? In verses 29 and 30 that I read this morning, it said that the church in Antioch, they must have been feeling like some confidence. They're feeling like we're growing. We want to send Barnabas and Saul to Jerusalem with this gift because of the famine. There are leaders there that are trained up and ready to go. They're discipling other people at at Antioch. They can release Barnabas and Saul because, guess what? Barnabas has reproduced himself. He can go. He's free to go on God's mission because others are there to take his place. You know, each one of us needs to grow to that place in our faith where we are, where we know we are spiritual parents and we are confident that we can pour our life into a person or a couple people and walk with them. This process is not new. It's been going on for 2,000 years. But here's the thing. Where that process stops in the church and the disciple-making process no longer continues, the church dies. First it plateaus, and then the church declines. And we see this happening with the church in general in America. And it usually happens when one generation loses the vision. They lose the, division, the, the vision of discipling others. And so we get to a point in our Christian walk, and it might be you might be 40, you might be 50, you might be 30. You might say, you know, I've done this for a while, let someone else do it. And we get into this place of coasting. We want to coast into heaven. That's why Jesus said in Revelation after he's watched for a generation or so of the church growing and declining, he says in Revelation 3, I wish that you were either cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Not coasting. Not coasting into heaven because I can't use you. The church won't continue to grow. The disciples won't continue to make disciples who will make disciples if you're coasting, if you're lukewarm. So this morning as we look at Barnabas as a spiritual parent, some of you may be saying, well, I'm not, I'm not at that place in my faith. I, I just haven't been walking with the Lord long enough. I, I don't know enough. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just not at that place. You may not be at that place yet, but here is something that you could do. And that is you could listen to the exhortation that Barnabas said to the church at Antioch when he said, remain true to the Lord with all of your heart. So let me ask you, where in your life right now do you need to remain true to the Lord? 
Or maybe put it a little bit differently, where are you not remaining true to the Lord? That's something that we can all take away from this example of Barnabas. There are others of you here this morning that are maybe our spiritual parents or young adults and, and, and you're, trying, you're, trying, you're trying to be patient. You're trying to pour into some people. It might be a spouse. It might be kids. It might be you know, somebody in the church. And you're just kind of fed up. You're just kind of frustrated that you're not seeing any progress. You're disappointed. You know, God, what's wrong with this person? All that I prayed for them, all the work I've invested in them. And the Holy Spirit says to you, don't give up. I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on them. Don't give up. And that's really hard to do with some people in our lives. Because there are some people out there who were like Saul who were enemies of the church. You know, Saul was arch enemy number one. And there may be people in your life that you you think, you know, they're not Christians, and you think, man, I just don't know. Don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. You may not be able to speak into their life and have them listen right now, but pray for them. Pray for them. And when the opportunity opens itself up, God will give you a way and give you the words to share with them that may make a huge difference. The third thing that I just would like to challenge you with here this morning is that there are many of you in here this morning that, that really are a spiritual young adult or a spiritual parent, but you may not be acting out that role. You may be kind of on the sidelines. And God may be saying to you this morning, you need to step up in your faith and become a spiritual parent. Maybe you need to start a new life group. Maybe you need to take a few people with you and start a brand new ministry here at Chapel Hill, something that's not going on right now. How is God calling some of you who are spiritual parents or definitely should be, consider yourself spiritual parents because of the length of time you've walked with the Lord and what you know? What is God calling you to be doing right now to become spiritual parents? Remember that God didn't call Moses to do his most important work until he was 80. So we are never too old for God's mission. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. God is looking for spiritual parents who are open and enthusiastic about Christ's mission. 